Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, wishing everybody a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever and wherever you tune into the podcast from. On today's show, we welcome Jez Paxman. Jez is the content director at Live Union and uh, is on the show today to talk a little bit about... um, uh, I'll call it a document to begin with, but uh, a, a, an article and, and a document that they have published called Anatomy of a Delegate. Jez, welcome along to the podcast today. Hi, James. Thanks Thanks for inviting me. No problem at all. Um, great to have you on the show. Um, I suppose a good point to start for our podcast uh, listeners today would be to uh, tell them a little bit about yourself and also Live Union for any of our followers who um, who are not familiar with the, with you guys and what it is that you do. Yeah, sure. So, um, as you say, I'm the content director of Live Union. Um, myself and two colleagues formed the agency 10 years ago. And, um, you know, in sim- simple terms, we're an event agency. Um, but our, our shtick, if you like, our mission is we talk about helping clients reimagine their events. Mm. And that's really um, sort of based on our belief that there's never been a more exciting time to be working in events. We, we, you know, we're all lucky enough to work in this time when there's an incredible amount of um, new things of inspiration coming into the space. Some of that is kind of inspiration in terms of how people are reimagining event formats. Um, The other side of the coin is, of course, event technology. Um, and what we do, what we enjoy doing is taking all of that inspiration and helping our clients, as I say, reimagine the events. Um, and that for us is anything from a conference to, um, to something, to, to, to an exhibition. That's the, that's the kind of area we work in. Um, all of it is, is B2B, um, so it tends to either be kind of employee or, or client experiences. Now, something that I picked up on when I was looking through um, Anatomy of a, a Delegate prior to recording today's podcast um, was, was a reference uh, made to the experience and what delegates and people expect when they go to a live event now. And, um, and that arguably there's very little difference between delivering B2B content and B2C content when it comes to live experiences now because of the expectations now of delegates. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I think you know, can slightly, slightly turn that on its head, that businesses um, need to be um, offering audiences incredible creative experiences today mm. because of the fact that we all live in the experience economy. You know, we're all now spoilt in terms of the types of um, live interactions we have um, in, in our wider lives. So whether yeah. it's festivals or immersive theatre, Um, or, you know, secret cinema or, you know, whatever it may be, people um, are incredibly experienced rich. And that means that when they come to a business event, their expectations have changed dramatically. And as you say, the kind of the barriers between a B2C experience and a B2B experience are are rapidly diminishing. Mm. And, you know, if you look at something like, you know, if you look at something like South by Southwest that happened recently, you know, that is an incredible example of just kind of um, entertainment and passion and excitement coming into what is essentially a, a business event. Mm, indeed. And, and, um, and you're right in pointing that out. I suppose when you think back historically, and I'm talking you know, a long time ago, 20, 30 years you know, plus, you know, business events were seen as a very formal you know, regimented, um, 
you know, an entity, weren't they? Totally different to going to a concert or a festival or any sort of, you know, consumer live experience. But, but people just, the, 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 the reality is they won't accept it anymore, will they? They don't want to go in and take a day out of their normal day-to-day work practices to go and be bored rigid. Yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, people talk about the attention economy. Um, you know, you think um, that, you know, when you have a sort of Netflix experience, people now, you know, yeah. people don't even watch the credits on something, let alone watch <laughs> the ads. So in some ways, there's a kind of, you know, you know, you can say there's an incredible kind of arrogance in some way. If you expect somebody to come, you know, if, you, if you're looking to put on an event and you expect somebody to give up a day or more of their time to come to your event, um, you know, the onus is really on you to add, to add value. And um, I think, you know, more, the, the event industry is getting much better at doing that. And, and, and frankly, the, the events that do that thrive and the ones that don't go by the wayside. And, and this is where uh, anatomy of a delegate really starts starts to come in. It's it's um, as I see it, it's something that you, you've obviously put a lot of time, effort, thought into. And the first thing it, to say is it, it's not overly complicated. This is a um, a document that, that you've published that explores, you know, what a delegate is in 2019 um, and what they expect, I suppose, from events. Tell us a little bit more about it and how it came about before we look at some of the content that's within it. Yeah, I think um, I think as as business events increasingly move to the kind of the heart of business communications, there is more and more onus on them being planned um, in a way that puts the audience at the heart of things, that really gets under the skin of what people are going to are going to value from an event. And I think when, you know, when we started to look at it and we looked back at the evaluation we had from the events that we do for our clients, and also, I guess, some, you know, some of its instinct, um, we came up with a number of different areas um, that we, we believe that today's, value, today's audience really value. Um, and that's what, we built, that's what we built the report around. Um, it's, not, um, it's not intended to be something that is deeply scientific. It's intended to be something that starts a conversation and that becomes a framework for people thinking about their audiences and planning around it. And we often use it, you know, we use it with clients as a kind of planning tool and we get some fantastic conversations going, some areas of contention, some things that people agree with or disagree with. Um, And it it becomes, as I say, a sort of framework for people to prioritize the areas that they want to innovate in, um, but all of it linking back to, to audience value. Sure. And, and when we actually look at the physical anatomy, you know, to just describe to our, the people listening to today's podcast, um, uh, uh, you know, on the second page is quite simply a, a picture of a gentleman holding a smartphone and five key areas um, that are identified within the actual, um, within the actual guide. And, and they're, the, I suppose, the five key considerations that you as, a, as an agency would see when you are planning an event and the content of that event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And um, listen, we can we can we can go into them to, into them in more detail. But shall I, do, you, do you want me to give you the top line? I, I, I'd I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's go through the five one by one, and and you know tell tell people exactly um, how each one came about. Sure. Well, I think you know the the, the, the first thing that we, we often talk about is we say that um, today's delegate increasingly want we what we refer to as a brain friendly experience, and I think what that means is that. In the workplace, we're all increasingly aware 
of our relationship between, say, work and diet, or work and exercise, or work and day part. We, we understand how, how we behave to perform at our best in the workplace. But frankly, I think all too often in the past, when we expect people to go to a business event, a lot of that thinking goes out the window. And you have the kind of bad old days of, you know, people sort of, you know, sort of nine hours of presentations. And actually what's quite interesting is that, yes, you know, there's this whole area of, of wellness that you hear a lot about in the event space. And often people talk about kind of, um, you know, venues with natural light or, you know, healthy food yeah. at an event. And those things are incredibly important. But we also think that one of the areas that's probably underrepresented is thinking about how you actually configure agendas and how you configure content in a way that maximizes how people can retain and learn um, and, and, and have the most efficient and effective experience. So that's, so that's the first area, designing what we call brain-friendly experiences. Mm. Um, the second area we talk about is personalization. And again, this is one, like a lot of these trends do, that draws on you know, the wider world, wider society. Today, we are all used to being able to personalize experiences. So yeah. particularly, um, you know, uh, you know, particularly in the digital world, if you have a digital experience, you can normally personalize it to the nth degree. Um, and this is what we believe audiences more and more want from live events as well. They want to be able to personalize their experience. And um, that means looking at technologies, it means looking at formats, that allow people to have different, um, different, different experiences. And it means going away from some of the kind of um, old kind of habits of the event world where people would talk about allocating somebody a breakout or herding somebody into a plenary. You know, those <laughs> things are increase, increasingly a kind of an, an anathema to today's audience. So that's the second area, personalization. Um, the third one that we've put on there is we believe that today's audience want um, experiences to be shareable and again again something you can see from the from, from the wider world that people now view live events whether it's a festival or whether it's a business event they see events as content generators for them as individuals yeah so now when we design an event we're thinking okay well how can we make it easy for them to share the content um and that can be you know that can be anything from you know um, creating things that are incredibly um, photogenic and people want to share or again bringing technology in. Mm -hmm. um, the fourth of our five is, is the one that you touched on earlier is this idea that um, today's audience, the, 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 this kind of difference between a B2B and a B2C experience is, is disappearing and what that means is that actually people want to be entertained at business events and that certainly is something that's that was not the case 10 years ago. So now we're looking at how can we design an event and how can we communicate content in a way that puts a smile on people's faces. Yeah. And then the fifth of the, the, fifth of the areas, I think, is, is without doubt the most important, which is how can we, um, how can we um, help people form better connections at events? Yeah. So, and it's, so it's thinking about, thinking about how you design an event that have networking at their heart. Um, and there's some really interesting research out there and some really interesting examples of this that we can go into um, where you start to think that, you know, typically when anybody designs an event, um, it's, you know, you start with the content 
actually, if the audience are valuing the connections and the networking possibilities of the event more so than the content, then it completely changes how you might think about designing the experience. Absolutely. And, and one thing I picked up on, I know there's an awful lot that we could delve into with all five of those, and, and, and we will. Um, but the, the one that sprung out of me was the personalization um, side of things. Um, and, and how people, um, broadly speaking, you know, have that personalization in their lives every day, maybe without even realizing it. And the example that I, I thought of when I was reading through this is, is mobile phones. Um, if you go back to your classic Nokia 3310, you know, aside from the contacts, your contact uh, library, every other part of that phone would be the same. The menu, how you navigate through from menu to change the time to do this and another would be the same from many phone to the next phone to the next person's phone to the next person. That's how it was. Mm -hmm. If you pick up, if you take six people in the room and they've all got an iPhone and you ask them all to turn on their home screens, every single home screen, screen will be configured differently. Yeah. They will manipulate their apps to places in the screen or into sub menus that they find accessible and usable and even that simple little act of personalizing how you have your own home screen on your phone laid out is indicative then of how we demand personalized experiences now and how that's changed in a matter of 15 years and i think straight away when you look at it something as simple as that it's obvious then that when people are spending money and time to go to an event they're going to demand something that's tailored to them yeah no i think i think i think i think you're absolutely right and i think um, I think, you know, on the, you know, on the one hand, it's a kind of, you know, it's a sort of expectation people have, but on the other hand, it's a need, you know, we're, we're, we're all different. And, you know, if you think about, you know, two people going to an event, one might be an extrovert, you know, they're very happy to join an open discussion and to sort of, you know, get, you know, you know, roll their sleeves up and be, you know, and have a kind of active learning, be at the heart of things, but, you know, a very kind of vocal um, event experience. Somebody else who's more introverted might want a quieter experience where they're perhaps having more one-on-one -on -one conversations or they're using some interesting technologies to explore essentially the same content, but they want a different type of experience. Mm. This is where the, the really sort of successful event apps um, have come into their own. I'm sure you've had a, a significant experience of this is, is that the ones that have really worked are the ones that have that level of um, maybe not so much customization, but do allow a user and a delegate to actually be able to personalize their experience and how they choose to interact with a particular event. So, you know, the, the, the facilities and the functionality is there for them to do that. And like you said, some people could be extrovert. They will, a classic example is the q and I know that Glisser is, is mentioned um, in, in, the, um, in the document. Yeah. Um, and it's something that certainly through Event Tech Live, I've got experience of using and, and is a great tool for people who maybe don't want to put their hand in the air, grab a microphone and ask a question, for them yeah. to be able to sit there in their own personal way, but mm -hmm. still interact with an yeah. event. Yeah. yeah, and I think, that, you know, I think the other thing is, you know, again, you know, car carrying on the Event Tech theme, is you know something we've used quite a lot is you know is is augmented reality where you have you know where effect, effectively you've got a you know you might have a, a one-dimensional piece of content so you might have you know an infographic or something up on a wall but by putting an augmented layer over it it allows you a, 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 you know a, a wide choice in terms of where people go into that content how they access it 
you know, it, it gives you more dimensions. So, so certainly, you know, I think technology has a big role to play in terms of opening up, you know, making events multifaceted in a way that wasn't really possible in the past. And all of that plays back to giving, you know, to giving people a more personalized experience, which, you know, which we believe is what they value. The, the, moving on to one of the other, the other, um, the, the key five fundamental um, points um, is the shareable aspect. And again, you know, without sort of harping on too much about it, you know, this is something that has been made easy in our day-to-day lives. Again, with better technology that we interact with, you know, every day and every moment, phones, laptops, you know, the operating systems are now designed so that if if I wanted to share a link to a website with you, I could easily do it via a message, via, you know, a shared note, via a WhatsApp, via an email, you know, a couple of clicks of a button and the link would be there and it'd be with you and you can access that site. You know, we're, we live in a world now where it's very easy to do so and events that don't keep up with that, what is now just a basic requirement um, are going to lose out, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think absolutely. And I think, I think there's, 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 there's two, you know, it's, it's interesting when you look at any of these areas, in some ways, the, you know, the, the, the ideas and the opportunities do often break down into kind of, you know, formats or more sort of physical things and some digital, you know, some new exciting digital technologies. And I think, you know, on the digital side of things, you know, experimenting with some new technology. So again, you know, Glisser is a Glisser is a really nice one in terms of shareable. The idea that people can, you know, can can choose a particular slide from a from a presentation and, and, and live tweet that from where they're sitting in the audience. You know, share that is a really nice one. But often, I think, you know, particularly with share, you know, creating content that's shareable, it can be physical things. So um, we've done things like, you know, creating data strings. So in sort of it, you know, and that's a, that, that's literally something that you'll put in a in a in a networking or, or you know refreshment area at an event, and it's a live infographic that the audience build themselves, kind of you know often threading a piece of right. screen, yeah. you know, build it, you know, and across the event that evolves into something that's incredibly photographic. So there's there's lots of things you can do um, to create content that people want to share. Um, uh, having identified the, the, the five areas, I suppose what maybe if I'm if I'm getting this right, and, and and without assuming too much about your own your own operations, is that having identified these five areas, you then want to be able to find ways to actually drive your own clients to understanding these five areas, but more importantly, create new ways to actually target these these five key fundamentals. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you know. The, the way we will use it um, with clients is, as I said at the beginning, firstly, we'll share them and see if they agree with them. Um, and and, and some, you know, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. But more often what happens is they'll say, they'll say you know, as a, as a business, you know, we're, you know, we're really good at that with our events. I'm not worried about that one. We're great at that. But, you know, for example, it might be around connections. You know, yeah. we don't feel we're doing enough um, to, draw, you know, to, to help people connect and, and, and to get value from that area, you know, at an event, you know, how can we address that? So it, it really does become quite a useful planning framework. But what it does is it absolutely means that you're looking at it through the lens of the audience um, rather than through some, you know, often with events, you know, there's a, there's a temptation to, to, to start with logistics or, um, and, and I think, or to start with sort of production. And I think actually, being able to use something like this where you start with the audience 
I think mm. is the, the right way to go about things. Um, uh, uh, one thing I haven't asked you yet is is when this um, anatomy of delegate you know document was was actually first published. Um, has it been out uh, recently? I mean, we're recording this just to put it into context for listeners. We're recording this on Wednesday, the twenty fourth of April. Um, how long has it been available? And and, and has there been any um, uh, not success stories, but response to it so far from clients in, in the way that it's shaped their forthcoming events? Yeah, I mean, we, 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 we put it out last year. I mean, in truth, it kind of started as, you know, we, we, we did quite a lot of reports at Live Union and it was a kind of another report that we started putting out. Um, and actually, the more we got into it, the more we realized that in some ways it, was, it wasn't just another report. It was something that could fundamentally change yeah. how, how we approach events. So, so we absolutely, every, every brief that comes into the agency, we, we look at it through, through, through this lens and yeah i would say every event we do has been influenced by it and it's it, as you say it's it's a great start point because it's simple um it, there's not too much content in there but the content that is in there has been well thought out well executed in terms of how it's written it's easy to understand but it does form quite a nice you know starting point for people to say right we're putting on an event how do we reconsider what we've done before here's a great start point um uh, are there were there other areas that you thought could have been included in the anatomy how did you land at five fundamental areas was it a case of having started with more than five you were able to sort of condense them down into five key categories that encompassed everything else or could there be, could there have been more i think i think the interesting thing is in in, in some ways um we got to the five fairly quickly, but what we find is that they, they overlap an incredible amount. So, so for example, you might be thinking about, you know, how are you gonna make your event more brain friendly? Well, one of the things you might do is you might think, well, what are some of the facilitation techniques that we could use to make it more brain friendly? So there's one that we, I think we, I think this is somebody else in the, in the event world came up with this, but we, we use it, it's called a wonder walk. So the idea is that um, a facilitator, well, you know, you'll be discussing a topic in a, in, a, in a kind of conference setting, and then the facilitator will say, listen guys, what I'd like you now to do is just pair up with the person next to you, I want you to take a 15 minute walk outside um, and discuss this and, how, and, and what this point you know, means to your business. So that's a really nice, simple um, facilitation idea. And you would say that's a great bit of brain-friendly activity because it's getting you up moving, it's changing the dynamic, it's changing the pace. But of course, what it's also doing is it's a fantastic way of building connections. It's a fantastic yeah. networking idea that you're putting two people into a sort of safe space, if you like, a safe topic to discuss, and, you, and, you, and, you, and you, you know, you're sending them off to spend some time together. And that's what we find is more and more that you'll go and you'll, you'll dive into one of these areas, you'll come up with some innovative ideas, and you'll actually find that they're adding value in the other areas as well. Sure. A, a really interesting point that was made under, under brain friendly, under the brain friendly section of, um, uh, uh, of the document um, was, was this idea that we all assume that people's attention spans are becoming shorter. Yeah. Um, because of how we interact with video content online, you know, the videos are becoming shorter and everyone, everyone has got this train of thought that stuff needs to become snappier 
shorter because our attention spans just can't keep up. And yet there's a great point there made about uh, the success of Game of Thrones, you know, interweaving multiple storylines, complicated character names, episodes that are well over an hour long. Yet if something is well crafted and is focused on keeping the attention of the person watching there's no reason why it can't be long and and this goes back to if people are rethinking and they're losing the attention of their delegates and they Mm -hmm. think oh the sessions are too long let's revise them down perhaps they just need to be rethinking the content rather than the actual duration yeah no i think that's absolutely right and it's almost um it's almost like where's the energy coming from you know, and you know, yes, you know, yes, people might decide that they're going to do much shorter sessions and they're going to have kind of Pecha Kucha style or lightning talks. And yeah. the, the presenters are going to put loads of energy and effort into, into those kind of things because they, they take an awful lot of work to, to get right those shorter sessions. So that's one way of going and that's brilliant. But equally, you know, there are still fantastic examples of people doing much longer um, sessions. So I always think, you know, the, the, for me, the one that, that I come back to often is the, um, you know, is that every year the CEO of Intel um, gives, a, gives a, a sort of keynote presentation at CES in Las Vegas. Often his presentations are up to kind of 90 minutes long. Yeah. Now, you know, you, know you, you, you would kind of say, no, that's exactly the wrong way to go. But he's doing exactly what, you know, he's taking the sort of Game of Thrones approach, if you like, because when you look at his presentations and they're, they're all available um, online, you realize, that he builds in incredible amounts of variety into them. You know, he'll start off himself giving a presentation, you know, with an introduction. He'll have somebody else join him on stage. There was one I was watching where um, one of his guys came on stage, did a 3D, um, did a 360 scan of, of him with using their iPhone. Then they turned him into an avatar. They put him live into a computer game. And then they played that computer game with him in it live on stage. You know, so there's things like that that are, you know, that add incredible energy, incredible pace, um, incredible creativity. And there's so many things you can do, whether it's like, you know, doing amazing things with screen technology, whether it's thinking really carefully about how you're, you're crafting the narrative of the piece, whether you're using props, all of those things, you know, are, are coming into the space now. And that, that's what I mean about it being such, a, such an exciting time to work in events because there is so much inspiration. Yeah, and and going back to to, to what what we were discussing about the the graying area between B two B and B two C events and and people's demands about it. If you think again about something like a a concert or going to see a really good comedian, um, you know, to do a stand up show, people will pay money and good sums of money to go and be entertained for two hours. Yeah, you know that's not a short period of you know it's a short attention span. People are happy to go and be entertained and and give their attention to something for a period of significant time, um, yeah. provided that they are being entertained and that there is stuff on there to to maintain. And 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 maybe this is where we're starting to gray is that in the past people would go to business events and they weren't associating them perhaps with enjoyment mm-hmm. or having fun. But if people are willing to go to a business event because they really want to because they want to give over their attention span for a period of time. You're going to be producing better quality business events, aren't you? If you've got people who want to come and are not being forced to come, which is maybe where we were years ago. Yeah, no, listen, I think, um, I think, you know, events across the, across the spectrum are finding that if they don't, you know, if they don't step up and if they don't really offer value and if they don't really get under the skin of their audiences, then their audiences don't turn up. And I think, you know, 
it's it, it's 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 not easy you know is, is the thing to say it's um you know you, you gave the example of like you know comedians or any type of professional you know entertainer or performer you know they are putting years and years of work into crafting that material of understanding you know how long into their act is there going to be a lull lull in energy in the audience and how are they going to dress that energy lull how are they going to change the pace how are they going to build in surprises you know and all too often when it comes to a business event we're expecting somebody who's not a professional entertainer to hold an audience in that way or to offer value in that way and i think again that's where the kind of you know our point around brain friendly can really spark that conversation because you start to think, okay, well, how are we going to address that? How are we going to, you know, given that perhaps our presenters aren't professionals, how are we going to help them? How are we going to design an agenda um, that helps them? How are we going to design an agenda that helps the audience? How are we going to vary the pace? Yeah, and, and, and that, again, you're absolutely right. That, that comes down to identifying the, the, the speaker and, and again, personalization. What are they comfortable with? What are they not comfortable with? You may have somebody who you think is a fantastic speaker who would be wonderful for your event, who is undoubtedly got the knowledge that would be useful to your delegates. But if they're not the sort of person that's going to stand up there like a Steve Jobs and just entertain people and have them in the palm of their hands for two hours, you need to find a way of managing that session and that experience to extract the best possible content out of that person that might mean rethinking your session having a facilitator or a host doing a Q&A with them to help keep things bouncing along Mm -hmm. you know not just leaving them up there with a clicker and a laptop yeah yeah and you know again coming you know coming at it from a from from an audience point of view you might say also well let's give the audience some choice as to how they um how they consume that content yeah. So they can either go into the, you know, they can either go into the keynote session and sit there and, and concentrate on it. And that might be, you know, that might be their preference. Mm. Um, or you might say, as you know, all of the big user events do, actually we're going to also live stream it out to the networking area. So people can, you know, people can watch it while they're having a coffee and a chat. Now, obviously that's a completely different type of engagement, but what you're doing is you're, you're personalizing it for the audience, giving them, giving them the choice of how they, how they consume the content. Um, we're talking on the podcast today to uh, Jez Paxman. He's a content director at Live Union, and we've been talking about anatomy of a delegate, um, a, a brilliant, I don't mind saying that, a brilliant um, document that, um, that the guys at Live Union put together last year that is a great starting point uh, for people who are, are wanting to maybe rethink how they're delivering their, their business events and, and creating the content that they need to keep their audiences engaged. Um, when you were going through the process of putting this together, Jez, was there, was there a particular um, one of these five fundamentals that, that sort of really resonated with you or was there any, any particular bit of content that resonated with you? Yeah, I think, um, I think the, the biggest change we're seeing in what audiences value from business events is um, their value and connections over content. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in fact, um, there was a really interesting bit of, research that Oracle did around their open world events. So open world probably, you know, one of the largest business events in the world, well over a kind of hundred thousand delegates. And when they researched what was motivating people to attend that, they came out with a statement. They said, this is the first generation to value making connections over consuming more content. And I just think that's, you know, that's such a clear, dramatic statement. And when you look at the events that are thriving, you know, if you take another example, Web Summit, so, you know, absolute kind of, you know, poster child of kind of European tech events. 
started in Dublin, was started by somebody who didn't have an event background. And, um, you know, I read an interview with him and he said the thing that drove the success of Web Summit in the early days is they came up with a really clever algorithm, which they built themselves in their event app that did a fantastic job of connecting um, people, people who were um, running startups with investors. Right. And, and that networking app was so valuable to the audience that that was the kind of spark that grew that event. And I think, you know, more and more we're seeing if we can design events that help people make valuable connections, real world connections in an increasingly digital world, um, that is, you know, that for me is the kind of um, the, the exciting area. And that doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that content goes out the window. Again, none of these are like sort of binary sort of either or decisions. What it means is that actually, you know, if you're, if you're a business, if you're a brand, you want to create an event that sees people connecting around your brand's content. So how can you design experiences? You know, that's the kind of holy grail now, I think, for events. Get people come, coming to them, forming new relationships, but sparked by interest and excitement about your, your business. But before we um, before we wrap up today's episode, Jez, if um, if any of our podcast followers are listening today and, and wanted to get hold of a copy of uh, the report of Anatomy of a Delegate, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, sure. It's um it's on our website, so it's uh, liveunion.co.uk. We've got a, a blog section, and on there you'll find all our reports um, on all sorts of different topics. So this is kind of one of many on there. Um, the other thing is people, people can by all means drop me an email. So it's uh, jez.paxman at liveunion.co.uk. I'd be more than, more than happy to send them a copy. Fantastic. And, um, and as I've said, you know, uh, I've looked through this and I've, I've taken the time to read through it before we recorded today's episode with Jez. And um, it's easy to read. It's easy to digest. It's, it's 10 pages. It's not going to take up a lot of your time. But um, any event organizers and planners and, and anybody out there listening to this podcast, it will be relevant to you. And it's well worth a few minutes of your time to go and get a copy, go and have a look through it. So, um, Jez, thanks very much for coming on the show today. Thanks, James. Enjoyed it. If you're, uh, if you're tuning in to the audio-only version of today's podcast, hop over to eventindustrynews.com. You can find video versions of all of our podcasts and uh, check out all the latest news and features that are available on eventindustrynews.com. Conversely, if you're watching this via the website at the moment, then go to your smartphone, to your laptop, and uh, hop onto iTunes or your favorite podcast download uh, platform and uh, Get hold of the audio versions. Listen to them on your commute to and from work. We promise that there'll be something for everybody on there. Thanks very much again to our guest today, Jez Paxman, Content Director of Live Union, and we'll see you on the next episode of the podcast. Thanks a lot and goodbye. Mm-hmm.